Let me invite you to open up God's Word with me this morning to the New Testament book of John. The Gospel of John will be in John chapter 1 today. And I want to begin by uh, saying it's good to be uh, back in the pulpit and have the opportunity to preach God's Word to you once again. But I'm so grateful, so grateful for uh, a staff of ministers here at Meadowbrook that love the Lord and love His Word and who are gifted in so many ways. Grateful for Austin Birch, our minister of students, preaching in my absence last week. And uh, just grateful uh, for the ones that God has surrounded me with and grateful for this church family. And I do want to uh, mention a couple of them. Uh, I mentioned Austin. Austin uh, has officially completed now his Master of Divinity degree and uh, is set to graduate later this week. And so we are grateful for the Lord's work in his life. And then also uh, we are grateful for uh, David Vaughn and he has recently completed his Doctorate of Worship Studies. And so we are so grateful for these two and the way the Lord has worked through them. The Lord is at work in His people. He's at work among us today, and we want to see where He's working, and we want to hear from Him. And before we look at the Scriptures, before we look at John chapter 1, um, we have begun a practice of intercessory prayer here during our worship gatherings with a different focus each week. And our focus on this first Sunday is our government leaders. So I want to invite you to pause with me and to pray for uh, our government leaders. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for those that have been elected to serve us, to lead us. Father, we thank you for President Trump. We thank you for Vice President Pence. Father, we thank you for President-elect Joe Biden. Father, we thank you for Governor Kay Ivey. Father, we thank you for our members of Congress. We thank you for Representative Arnold Mooney, Mooney who is one of us, and Lord, so many others. We pray that you would give them wisdom. We pray that you would give them humility. Father, we pray that you would lead them and speak to them. And Father, we thank you for the ones that know and, and follow Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that they would continue to do so. And Father, we pray for those that do not know and follow Christ. We pray that your spirit would work in a mighty way in their hearts and in their lives, that they might turn from sin and trust in Jesus and find life in him. Father, we pray for them that you would use them or that you would lead and bless our community, our city, our state, our nation in ways that make your name great. And Father, even now as we open your word, we pray that your name would be great in this place. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, 2020 will forever be remembered as a painfully slow season of disruption, disease, depression, and for many, even death. Where is God? What is He up to? Does He care? Does he care for, for me. Is he good? Is God good? But church, this morning I want you to hear from the most reliable source that God is indeed good. 
And that he's a God who gives peace. He's the God of peace. The Bible declares that he's a God of peace and a God who gives peace. Are you at peace today? I mean, really, are, are you at peace on this day? You may not have been able to gather with your family over Thanksgiving. You, you may not have any family to gather with. You may have lost your job during this pandemic. Your spouse may have left you. Your children might be running from you. you. Your parents may need you. You may be fighting cancer or depression or addiction or isolation, but I want you to hear this morning that there is hope. There is hope for you. And there's hope for you because God, the one and only God, is a God who invites you into his forever family and gives you peace. Let's hear from him. Find your place there in God's word. Let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of our text this morning. John chapter 1 verses 6 through 13. The Bible reads this way. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Father, guide us now as we seek to understand the truths of your word. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. During this Advent season, God calls us to remember and to celebrate that he is a God who gives peace to his children. God gives peace to his children. Are you one of his children? Are you at peace today? God gives peace to his children, peace with him and peace with other members of the family. The God we worship, according to the scriptures, is the prince of Peace. The words of radio host Steve Brown, God's not mad at you. He loves you. He loves you deeply. He loves you even when you don't love him. He's not watching and waiting to squash you or zap you just as soon as he can catch you crossing the line. No, he loves you. And he wants you to know his love. He wants you to rest in his love. He wants you to know him. And the way that you and I can know him is through the one, John says, is the word and the light. He is Jesus. And God wants the world to believe in Jesus. According to his word, according to the scriptures, God wants the world, the inhabitants of the world, the whole world. He wants the world to believe in Jesus. God wants the world to believe in Jesus. And so he has sent witnesses, one of whom was named John. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him 
all might believe. John came as a proclaimer. He came as a herald, meaning one who announces news. He came preparing the way for Jesus' arrival and ministry. This John that is referenced here is not the author of the Gospel of John, who, by the way, never identifies himself by name. But the Apostle John who writes this this book is a behind-the-scenes sort of guy. But this John is John the Baptist. He's out front. He's calling people to repent and believe in Jesus. He's preaching to them. He's telling them to turn away from sin and to trust in Jesus. He was a bold man, a bit edgy, we might say, whom people noticed. Folks noticed John the Baptist and wanted to hear. But he himself, verse 8, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. You see, there's there's a marked contrast here in the opening of John's gospel between these two figures that are introduced at the outset of his Christmas story. There's the Word, the one who was with God in the beginning and the one who was God, and then there's the witness to the Word, a man, a real man, but nothing more than a man. There's the light that shines in and overcomes the darkness of the world, verse 5. And then there's John. Don't confuse John the Baptist with Jesus, the light of the world. For John himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John was sent from God to be a witness to Jesus. Have you ever been called to serve as a witness? Not too long ago, I received a notice that I may be summoned as a witness in a court case over a family dispute. And as I read this particular notice, I realized that I would be a rather disappointing witness because I didn't have a clue who this was. I didn't know this family. I thought to myself, how am I supposed to testify to something or someone I don't know? Well, John knows. John the Baptist knows about the one of whom he's testifying. He knows this man who came after him has surpassed him because he was before him. Chapter 1, verse 30. And he knows that he's not worthy to stoop down and untie this man's sandals. Chapter 1, verse 27. But this ancient Baptist preacher was not the only one sent to witness to the word. He was a witness sent from God, but he was not the only witness. Like John, the author, names many witnesses. This is a theme of his book. He names many witnesses who testify concerning the arrival of the Messiah. He speaks of the Father's witness. He speaks of the Son's witness. He speaks of the Spirit's witness. He speaks of Jesus' own signs and wonders, his miracles, and how they witness to his identity. He speaks of the witness of the, of the Scriptures, of the Old Testament, and of the witness of the disciples. In fact... In fact, the author of this book flat out tells us that his whole purpose in writing is to provide a compelling witness to the identity of Jesus the Messiah, leading folks like you and me, readers and listeners, to believe in Jesus. He says in John chapter 20, verse 31, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Friend, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you know the life of which John speaks and writes? 
John wants us to know the Word made flesh. He wants us to know the light of the world. He wants us to know the Lamb of God because God wants us to know this one. God wants us to know the same. God wants the world to believe in Jesus. And to believe in Jesus is to believe everything that is true about Jesus. God wants the world to believe in Jesus, so he has sent witnesses. Therefore, I ought to be one who prays, Lord, help me hear your witnesses. Lord, help me hear. Help me hear your witnesses, and so should you. We should pray. Lord, help me hear your witnesses today and throughout this Christmas season. God, show me the truth and lead me to hear it in the midst of all the hustle and bustle. In the midst of company deadlines and online shopping, in the midst of political upheaval and the booming voice of COVID-19. May we cease and say, Lord, help me hear your witnesses this Christmas season. Give me an ear to hear your truth. I want to know the truth. God, I want to know you. And hearing God's witnesses involves hearing the truth about Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, but it also, friends, involves hearing the truth about ourselves. See, John wants us to know that in Jesus we can see the depth of our sin and need for a Savior. The person and life and ministry of Jesus, we, we can see the depth of our own sin against God and our need for, for a Savior. Do you, do you know yourself? I'm not talking about an existential journey of self-discovery. I'm talking about do you know what the Almighty Maker of heaven and earth has to say about you? It's where it teaches that we cannot truly know who we are and our need for Him, apart from looking at the life and ministry of Jesus, the light of the world. In verses 4, 5, 7, and 8, John says Jesus is the light, telling us in verse 9 that He is the true light and the giver of light. The true light that gives light to everyone who's coming into the world, into the dark world, into the broken world. So God sends John to declare that the true light is coming. He's on His way. Like one of those pilot cars with flashing lights and flags and a sign that says oversized load driving down the highway ahead of a mobile home on a truck bed trailer. John is saying, get ready, pay attention, listen up, something big is happening. The light of the world is coming. The creator of life is coming. God is coming. Hear his call to see Jesus. You see, the message of the two Johns is that the shepherd has come to be the lamb. That the creator of all life has assumed the lowly position of creature. That the lawgiver has come to be the law keeper in place of lawbreakers. The king of kings has come to be the suffering servant. That the God worthy of all worship is becoming the required sacrifice for worship. So when Jesus comes on the scene, John states it like this, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. True light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
Jesus has come that we might see the depth of our sin and our need for a Savior and then turn to Jesus as that very Savior. In other words, in Jesus, God comes to us on a mission to lay down his life in order to save sinners. But his life itself was meant to expose our depravity, to expose the depth of our sin. You see, as the commandments of God reveal our inability to keep the commandments, so the sinless life of Jesus reveals the sinfulness of my heart and of your heart. But only if we'll humbly look at his life. For verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Sin hardens the heart. Sin distorts our vision and understanding. As sinners, we are children of darkness. We're not God's children left to ourselves. The message of Christ's coming, of His living, dying, and rising, all in our place is offensive. It's offensive to our sinful nature. That's why the spread of the gospel has encountered opposition. And anger throughout the centuries. It's offensive. It doesn't jive well with personal pride and self-satisfaction. And so we need our, our hearts to be softened by the Spirit of the living God. To open our eyes to see that we might repent and submit to the Lamb of God and light of the world. And so we pray, Lord, soften our hearts and show us our sin. Lord, soften my heart and show me my sin. Convict me, Lord, where I've sinned against you. That that should be our prayer. I want to know where I'm wrong so that I can confess it and be right again with my Maker. We won't truly see the depth of our sin if we don't see the beauty of the Savior. We won't believe it without a message from God's witnesses and without the Holy Spirit showing us the Lord Soften my heart and show me my sin. And then, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for rejecting you. Lord, forgive me. Friends, this is ultimately why Jesus came. Not to condemn, for we stood condemned already. But to save. John chapter 3, verse 17. To give us peace. Chapter 16, verse 33, God gives peace to His children. How then do we become His children? I don't know about you, but if I can have peace with God, I'd like to have peace with God. If I can be a child of the Almighty and everlasting God, I think I'll sign up for that too. How how do we become His forgiven children? How do we join His forever family? Well, John tells us. He tells us that God saves and adopts those who believe and receive Jesus. This is good news. God saves and adopts those who believe and receive Jesus. There is a path to peace from God and with God. And that path is through Jesus. John is saying the true light has come and by and large his own people rejected him. Verse 12, yet to all who did not reject him, to all those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God 
saved and adopted by God's grace alone, not because of racial or ethnic identity, children born not of natural descent, not because of any human effort or decision, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but only by God's grace. Only by His grace. That's what John is saying. Saved and adopted by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. The Jesus who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Have you come to the Father through Jesus' Son? Have you believed Jesus, that He is who He says He is and who the Scriptures declare Him to be, the Savior of sinners and the Lord of all? Have you received Jesus as your Master and King, submitting to His Lordship and vowing to follow after Him? If not... Why not? Why not? What are, you, what are you waiting for? Why not become one of God's children today? Here and now, right now. Why not turn to Jesus, the Savior, the everlasting one, the Prince of Peace? Why not turn to Him today? Why not receive lasting peace and life in Jesus Christ Today, I want you to turn to Him now. I want you to trust in Him now. I want you to find life in Him today. I want you say to Him today, Lord Jesus, I believe in You. I submit to You. Grant me life. Lord Jesus, I, I believe in You. I submit to You. Grant me life. And He will. His word says he will. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Are you a child of God? Are you at peace with God? Do you have peace today? Have you been born again through faith in Jesus. We are saved, adopted, forgiven, and free. The recipients of lasting peace that cannot and will not ever be taken away. So church, let's celebrate this peace today. Let's celebrate peace with our Maker through Jesus, our Savior, on this Lord's Day. I invite you to bow with me as we prepare to Remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior. We thank you for Christ, our King. We thank you for the hope of eternity through Him. And Father, as we remember the blood of Jesus that was spilled for us and the body of Jesus, body of our Lord that was broken for us. Father, we pray that we would remember with gratitude, pray that we would celebrate the life and forgiveness and peace that you give to us. Father, forgive us where we have not done so. And Father, lead us to remember and worship now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ, let me invite you to take...
the communion elements this morning. And as you peel back that top layer and take the wafer, I encourage you to think about the body of our Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Remember the sacrifice that He made on your behalf and on my behalf, on the world's behalf, that whoever turns to Him in faith might be forgiven and free. And so followers of Jesus, those who know that you've been saved by God's grace and have peace with God, let me invite you this morning to take the bread and to remember the body broken for us. Let's take and eat and remember Christ's body. And as we prepare to take the cup, the juice, the fruit of the vine, we remember the blood of Jesus that was spilled for our salvation that we might be forgiven of our sins. The scriptures say that this blood covers us, it cleanses us, it washes us, it gives us life. And so let's take... Let's drink and remember the blood of Jesus spilled for our salvation. Would you bow with me? Father, this morning we thank you for the body and blood of Jesus our Savior. Father, we thank you for forgiveness of sins. We thank you for his death in our place. We thank you for his life in our place. We thank you for his resurrection from the dead and the hope of eternity. And so, Lord, this morning we celebrate that eternity in and through Jesus. Father, I pray that you would lead us even now to reflect on the cross of Calvary and to celebrate life in Jesus Christ. Father, lead us even now to continue in gazing upon your face and worshiping you. So lead us for the glory of your name as we respond to the truth of your word. Lord, as we respond to the truth of Jesus, it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.